We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Kirk Henderson and Josh Bro coming to you the latest we've come to you in a while. Uh, the <laughs> Dallas Mavericks just played the Boston Celtics. It is Friday, March 1st. It's about 10 o'clock. They got waxed by the Boston Celtics, 138 to 110. Josh, how you doing? I'm doing okay. Um, feels like people are mad. I think so. Of... I mean, anytime you get waxed on national TV, it's not there, fun. there's a... You know, like my mom will watch this game and she'll call me tomorrow <laughs> and be like, that Luka Doncic, and have lots of comments, and then and then ask me if I knew if Jason Tatum was from St. Louis. It's just it's it's the way this it's the way the day is gonna go. Um the thing about the Celtics is they are really good. They're very good. And somebody, I think it was our guy Matthew, said he's like, Well, they're not gonna hit threes all game after the first quarter. And what ended up happening was they, in fact, did hit threes all game because just about every single guy that gets uh, significant minutes for the Boston Celtics is is capable of of being a really solid three point shooter in any given night. And yeah. they lead that, the league in three pointers made per game. Mm-hmm. They lead the league in three point percentage. Well, no, they don't. They don't lead in percentage, but they're like top. Uh, they're like top 10 in percentage, top five, actually. So, so like I sort of, I, I sort of went into this game. This is why that Raptors win was frankly pretty important because you don't mm-hmm. want to have a four game losing streak. Beating the Celtics would have been a, a, a capstone win. The Celtics have only lost three times at home all season. I did not expect the Mavericks to win. The recipe for the Mavericks win was Luka Doncic be really good. Kyrie Irving be really good. Random role player X be really good and then be there in the clutch to make it interesting. 
that was going to be the way that the Mavericks were going to win this game. And in my opinion, we got very good Luca. We had very ineffective Kyrie. Uh, and then we had PJ Washington play pretty well, but he was also involved in the stretch where the D- Dallas Mavericks just got blown off the floor. Um, the Mavericks were down by three and there were like 74, uh, 77, 74, I think is what it was. And then coach kid subs in uh, Tim Hardaway, who ends up taking a lot of criticism tonight, though. I don't necessarily think it was his fault. The Mavericks go super small and just proceed to get ran right off the fucking floor. And I, 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 I want to say, I understand why people are mad because losing is embarrassing, but I also, the specific criticisms where we're, where we're heading and we should talk about some of the things that were where the, the, the Mavericks fell apart. I don't, I have a hard time getting super bothered by the choice because I don't necessarily think the other option was like a winning formula. Like if, if I had, you know, let's, let's go through some of the, the, some more solid parts of the game. And then I think we can, we can kind of pivot to criticism. Like this was, this was another astounding Luca game, 37 points in 37 minutes, 12 rebounds, 11 assists. I don't think he had an assist in the first quarter. So that he finished with 11 assists was pretty interesting. Only two turnovers. Uh, he really started shredding the, the Celtics pick and roll coverage and just really, really beautiful passes tonight from, from Luca. I was, I was very pleased overall with his, with his play. What did you think? Yeah, I agree. I think the, his passing was really crisp. He didn't necessarily have mm-hmm. a pass that was as good as that pass to uh, Timmy in the Toronto game, that kind of no look over the shoulder mm-hmm. to the corner, but he was not slot like, his sur- was like a surgeon. Yeah, everything was on target. He wasn't trying kind of those Lucy passes, which usually are good for a turnover or two. Like it felt like he was very careful with the ball and with his placement uh, tonight. Um, thought he was pretty methodical. I didn't think he forced too many shots. He was three of nine from three. He took 25 shots, but it felt like mostly good shots. He missed some bunnies around the rim. Yeah. Like I thought that was actually kind of where if he did struggle, he did struggle a little bit and you could see him kind of like, you know, figuratively uh, kicking himself after a couple of misses. Like he missed an and one off an offensive rebound that like he usually makes like nine out of 10 times. (laughs) Right. That one was weird. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it like spun out too. Like when he, like when it banked off the off the backboard, I was like, okay, that's an and one. And then it kind of just like did a little spin, spin a Rooney in the, in the cup and then bounced out. So Otherwise, yeah, he was pretty great uh, offensively, defensively. You know, I don't, <laughs> I don't think anyone was really good defensively. So we'll get into that later. But yeah, offensively, yeah. he played about as well as he he could have. And he was real. I mean, he really had that Celtics team kind of in terror through about two and a half quarters mm-hmm. uh, until this game kind of got out of hand. Because I mean, there were, like you said, there were moments in the third quarter where it felt like this is going to be one of those moments. And it was, it was shaping up to be like he had his hand in everything. Like he was mm-hmm. setting PJ Washington for threes, got PJ Washington's couple dunks, got lively some dunks. He was making his shots. He was make, seemingly making the right decision every single time. Yep. Uh, and then everything kind of just fell apart <laughs> midway through the third quarter. But, but up until that point, it was a pretty flawless game for him, offensively at least. The the other really kind of high point of the night um, was Derek Lively. Seven for seven yes. from the floor, 15 points, four rebounds. One assist, two steals, uh, only two defensive boards. 
got to got to got to work on that, bub. But you know that this, did the Mavericks get killed on the boards? There uh, weren't a lot of rebounds available tonight. Yeah. <laughs> to be no, fair, it's, and that's okay. So it, it, it yeah. is what it is. I I think the and we'll circle back to this later. Like the we're we're, we're dipping into why the hell isn't he playing more zone? Because it's like they went on runs that involved lively um lively as a lob threat and being able to catch multiple ways both in the air and frankly bounce passes and stuff at his waist is a valuable weapon this is the first game i really think uh in a, in several where we've seen luca be able to use the role man i i feel that teams have kind of been bottling the mavericks up in that regard for several games uh Apparently, the Celtics broadcast team was pretty effusive in in their praise of him, which is interesting because they're they tend to be just like, well, we'll just call them Dallas Maverick level homers um, in terms of their broadcast. It's one of the things that makes Boston fans what they are, and so that was just interesting to hear. Um, but then you kind of then then you know there's the rest of the rest of the guys, and I I want to say PJ Washington had like some key stretches, but he overall was was. He was cold, hot, cold. Seventeen like, points and sixteen <laughs> shots sucks. It just yeah. sucks. You can't I, I, as as a as a role guy, you can't do that. I think he missed. I think he missed his first like he missed his like first three threes, then made like his next three, then missed his next five or something like that. Like I think he started like oh, I think he started like oh for two from three, then he was three for five, and then he finished three for nine. And it's so he he was very streaky, yep. um, but yeah, you know he just he took good shots. I don't really think he took some bad shots. The only um, thing that he took there was one sh- attempt, there was one sequence that was really killer um, in the second half, and I think this was kind of part of the third quarter av that's kind of started the third quarter avalanche. Mm-hmm. He he drove into the paint, um, and it was a good drive, and he basically gets like maybe a step outside the restricted line. Mm-hmm. and there's one defender that's kind of in no man's land and he either has a wide open kind of little short floater or he has lively right right at the rim for for an easy lob and he yep. just elects to go for the floater misses the floater doesn't come down with offensive rebound and the celtics make a three it's like that's a uh, five point swing I'll, right? I'll give you the swings i'm looking at it lively mm-hmm. makes a, a, a dunk at the six minute mark the mavericks are down by two points PJ Washington misses a three. Tatum or uh, Jalen Brown hits a three. Celtics are up by five. PJ Washington misses a floater. PJ Washington gets his own board, but he's blocked by Drew Holiday. And then Tatum hits a three, and it goes from being a two point game to an eight point game in two possessions. Um, and at that point, the Mavericks were were cooked. Um, Luca Luca kind of had him hung, hanging around a little uh, towards the end of the quarter. Um, where it was, they, they pull within six, they pull within five. Um, but then all of a sudden the game's out of hand again. And by the end of that quarter, it was down by 14. And that was sort of where things went sideways. Like the first half was, was pretty fun. The Mavericks hung on a little bit. You know, the first half was an instance of when Luca, Luca goes to the bench, the Mavericks couldn't keep pace. Especially um, with how Kyrie was playing, like, right? And so, all right, let's take a quick break, and then we're gonna we're gonna circle back to kind of the things that were less fun. Um, those of y'all who are here, uh, appreciate you joining the show. If you could go down and give this show a like, I would appreciate it. If you could consider subscribing to the show here on YouTube, those of you who are watching live, uh, I would also appreciate that. If you are listening on an audio feed on Saturday, you know Sunday morning, maybe before the the um, 
76ers game. Uh, consider subscribing to our show. Really appreciate that. I'm not sure. I, I, I tend to do a post-game show every night, but I don't think I'm going to be able to do a second post-game one. We've been having um, re, it's been a less, it's been a not, not fun 24 hours with the four month old infant. And my wife needs, uh, I need to help my wife out more tonight. So I don't think I'm going to do a secondary show tonight, but um, <sighs> thanks for, uh, for listening to the show. If you could go ahead and then uh, give these two brief uh, ads to listen to, cause that's one way Josh and I actually uh, get paid. So we'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Okay, so what if I told you that Kyrie Irving has lost to the Boston Celtics 10 straight times? I would believe that. that <laughs> hurts, did get, man. Does that include the playoffs? They I'm did not get sure. Somebody, somebody sent me that stat, and I'm like, ah, it's tough. Because it's, it's, the, the Celtics are a team that's built to, to kind of cage somebody like Kyrie just due to their size and length. And the fans were chanting at him, and, you know, it's 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 a dicey it's a dicey deal. So it's like you go back to kind of my three main points for winning this game, and he just you know he ended up with let's see here, I had I had it pulled up and then I moved away from the box score. He ended up with twenty nineteen points on twenty three shots. Like that's rough. His three is one to seven from three. He only had one turnover. That part's fine. Four rebounds. He was missing bunnies at the rim. And like when Kyrie's missing yeah. stuff at the rim, you're just not getting a good game from Kyrie. He had a lot of opportunity and it did not go down. 
Yeah, he was three of seven in the restricted area, which is bad. Um, he was two of five in the paint outside the restricted area, which is also not ideal. Um, didn't make any of his threes. Uh, yeah, he was just one, bad. He had, this... he had one three. Oh yeah, I know. I, I was just making meaning like just overall. Oh, in mass for sure, because he's been a he's apparently one of the league's most frequent. Like he's made like in the top ten in the league in uh, pull up jump pull up threes. He's he's been really on on point with his three point shot in 2024 in particular, and so I, I had somebody tell me he's like ah oh, you know he's just kind of due for a bad game and I, I I don't like being like soft on any player mainly you know and uh, but I I do kind of think that's that's a good take on this like I expect Kyrie to come back on Sunday against the can or against the 76ers and have a great game so I I, I don't want to you know honest oh good no please. I was just gonna say, honestly, I know kids. I mean, they weren't gonna win with Kyrie playing this kind of game offensively because yeah. that basically means uh, Luca. The non-Luca minutes are torpedoed, and they've already been kind of bad the last two weeks. The non-Luca yep. minutes, but if he's not shooting well, so that's part of it. But also, he was atrocious defensively today. He was very bad. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anything off ball with Kyrie lately has been pretty bad. Anything off ball with almost every Mavericks defender lately um, has been pretty bad in the last few days. Teams are really picking on these guys in off ball rotations um, and communication. Well, this, um, the but zone Kyrie didn't make sense to me. Like, why are the Mavericks running a zone? They kept getting beat from behind on the zone, and then or, meaning basically on the baseline. And it just, it felt like over and over the guy in the, the ball would swing all the way around or swing, like, like cut across the lane. And whoever was supposed to drop down, usually like a Josh Green, uh, Luca pointed at him like three times, didn't make the rotation down. And I'm like, why are, why are they running a zone? Like what, what, why would you play a zone against the, the friggin' Celtics who can shoot the ball? What are we doing? <laughs> Well, you want a fun fact? Um, the Celtics made 21 three-pointers and also scored 62 points in the paint. Boom, boom, boom. That's <laughs> that's a that's uh, going to hurt the old defensive rating. Yes, yes, it is. Their shot chart, they made zero mid-range jump shots uh, tonight. Everything was threes, rim, and paint. <laughs> so they were 0 for 6 for mid-range tonight. So um, Yeah, so, so the, Kyrie, yeah. the Kyrie part hurt and – you just kind of leave it where it is. You yeah, gotta, there are too many too many on. possessions where with Kyrie. I don't know if you know if you see these when he's defending off ball, where he's not guarding anyone, mm-hmm. and it's like he's in between two guys, not sure where to help or where to kind of rotate, and it's almost like he's trying to split the difference. And what happens is he two people are open instead of one person is open because uh, he doesn't close out to the you know he doesn't get to close out either. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been that's been tough, and he's not the only one. There's other guys that are uh, pretty. No, was, I mean it's half the team felt yes. like tonight. I mean then then there was you know I, I made the I made the statement that Tim Hardaway was was negative in 20 minutes. He was negative 21 points uh, because he was on the floor for that really rough run that we just described. And <sighs> Timmy by himself is not the problem. It's going to be very controversial. Tim is a problem. Tim is not the problem. The problem is that the Mavericks don't really have a three that they can roll out there and feel comfortable with. They have to play a big guard as their as their small forward 
in almost every conceivable circumstance. Josh Green, six foot four guard. Anybody that thinks he's taller than that, go look at him near Jason Tatum. He ain't. Then you get uh, Dante Exum, who probably should start. Then you have Derek Jones Jr., who has just turned into a pumpkin at this point in the year. Those are your options at small forward. I guess we play PJ Washington there some. Right. But, really. then, but then you're either playing, you know, who's playing the four and the five. Like, are you right. doing Maxi and another big, which is, I don't think they like to do that. Um, right. They never the, go like Jumbo, which this would have been the time to try it, quite candidly, because the Celtics and like, in Denver are like huge. Yeah, well, on the Celtics, I mean, the Celtics are huge, but the Celtics also don't really play. Yeah, they play skilled, like, and they played out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's it's usually KP is alone big, and then uh, Horford's alone big. They did play a little Horford Tillman together, um, but otherwise, like you know, Tatum is like their is their like their power forward. So you can get away with PJ Washington as your four man, but again, like you said, when when you've got Luca, Kyrie, and then Josh Green. Mm-hmm. Where like who's Josh Green guarding? You know who's guarding Tatum and Brown? Like PJ can be on one of them, but then that means either Green, Luca, or Kyrie are on one of the other. You know of Brown or Tatum, so that makes it tough. You know, uh, and the, <laughs> the Celtics are just good. They make it tough. They're, they're they're so deep. You know, they play basically like eight guys that are all really pretty good, um, and they're all tall. Like even their guards, like Derek White and Drew Holiday, like are big guards. Uh, did, did I read Drew Holiday is shooting sixty three percent from the corners on? Uh, do you see line. that first corner three he made? Like yeah. falling out of bounds. One of, it looked like Luca. Yeah. Uh, My way in the chat says if you start Exum, you're asking and you're back to asking too much of players. I I wanted to highlight this comment because I agree, and it just sort of points to the challenges within the roster at the moment. Right. And it's been in, and you see these challenges against a team that is 47 and 12. <laughs> like you don't see them as much against Toronto Raptors, but you do see them against, you know, Cleveland Cavaliers team, which is really, you know, the best teams in the league are going to, they're going to highlight your weaknesses a lot more than playing the Wizards or the Spurs or the Toronto Raptors. But yeah, this was one of those games where I think people are like really hang, like, I don't think a lineup change tonight. What a significantly, help. yeah. Like people are mad about Tim Hardaway Jr. playing as much as he did. People are mad about Maxi playing as much as he did, and people are mad about Gafford not playing more. And I don't if if Tim and Maxi played five minutes and Gafford played thirty five, I don't see the result of this game changing too much. Now yeah. I understand people just wanting to see something different because when they see something not working, it's like I don't care if we lose. Right. I just want to see something different and I'll, I understand that frustration for sure. Um, but I just don't see a lineup combination that changes the result of this game because at the end of the day, if your second best player plays as poorly as Kyrie did, if one of your starters and Josh green plays as poorly as he did, yeah, you're, like we're you're talking about, we're talking about backups like Maxi and Tim and Gafford are all backups. Like, mm-hmm. If if those guys like I just don't see those guys swinging the pendulum in a game where you've lost by 28 points and the team made 21 three pointers like not to say that there isn't things that they can't do and they can't switch around and they can't mix things up but at the end of the day your top four or five guys have to play really well 
Yeah. Um, and only about two of them did. Lively and Luca did. And and that if those are your only two players that are really going to show up, I don't really care how you're mix mat- mix and matching the rest of it. You're probably still going to get thumped on the road to a really good team. And by the way, this was also their fourth game in six nights. So yeah. Like, I'm not saying don't be mad or don't ask for something different, but the idea that this game was winnable uh, with some lineup changes. It's a really just, narrow path to tough. success. It's yeah. tough. And I, I come in here guns a-blazing when I really think something bad happened. Like, I will call for kid's head at a moment's notice. It's not hard to get me on the fire. But I just look at this tonight, and, and you know, it's worth ex- – okay. It, it's worth explaining your point about Gafford because – Gafford not playing really flummoxes fans. And I think it's because all of us, myself included, are not great at watching elements of defense and what happens to him. I can tell you, for one, he is just as awful as all the rest of the Mavericks at transition defense. Yes. <laughs> like he runs so hard on offense and then on defense, on, on transition defense, he's bad. Which he's is, also going for offensive rebounds all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, which is, you know, he's a good offensive rebounder. There's a, yeah, some of that's out. some of that's a coaching, like, yeah. hey, you know, go grab an offensive board type thing. Yeah. But what um, what's happening to him on defense that that you think is is getting him? I, held I think he's just kind of a slow-footed defensive big in space. And I know everyone's yelling at me like, "Well, Maxie's not good in space either." And I'm like, I, you know, just because I'm talking about one guy doesn't mean I'm praising another guy, right? Like, no Maverick played well defensively, except no. for maybe Lively and PJ Washington. I would have had Lively in over Maxi. And uh, yeah, and- I would have played. Li- I would have played Lively thirty minutes, and I'm starting to wonder why Lively is not playing more. And I don't know if it's a minutes restriction because of the nose, but he was averaging 27 minutes a game in January and in February and March. He's averaging about 18. Um, and I know the nose is a factor, but. They, I hope that you know they need to start being able to ramp him up soon because I think that's really the answer instead of arguing about bench players. Sure, because um, Lively is a starter and he's that dude. Like he's legit. So there, there was a play. But, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but there was a play no, with Maxi and it was on the offensive end where he's out the roll and he catches the ball in the middle of the floor, and he's just such a different athlete than Lively. Where Lively had a similar catch in the first quarter. And basically does a turnaround jump hook over Big Al. Maxi catches it near the near the like ten to twelve foot mark, and he kind of struggles to catch it because it's a little high. And then he just immediately passes it back out because he can't do anything. And and if you're not really helping on defense and you're not really helping on offense, why are you playing? It, it's 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 like like the joke about him and um, Josh Green getting cardio. Is real, like they're they're not huge net negatives, but they don't do enough positive either in these sorts of circumstances. Two years ago, Maxi was huge against the Celtics, and when it, during one of his worst offensive stretches, he was amazing on defense. I remember the game because it was the game where Spencer Dinwiddie hit, I think, a walk off bullshit three. Do you remember this one? Yes, I do. Against the Lakers, yes, that crazy. No, Lakers. no, I mean it was against Boston. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 I remember. And and like Maxi was, he was a different. But this is two years ago. Maxi no. can't like Maxi has even less lift now. So it's, no. it's. I don't understand like, why he's playing. Yeah, no, I'm like I said, I you know I can point out Gafford's defensive flaws in this specific matchup, by the way, because he sure. does play better against certain teams. Like I just don't think he's good in drop 
in pick and roll coverage against teams that can space you out with a lot of shooting. Mm-hmm. That's not a unique problem for a lot of big men, by the way. Um, that's not a knock on Gafford. Again, he is your backup center. Like it's he doesn't need to be elite at these things. And obviously, yeah. the counter is you know they trust Maxi in those situations. But then you look at Maxi; he plays twenty minutes. He's he has one point, two rebounds, and the team's bombing away from three anyway. Like where you know that's where the the disconnect comes from because it's like okay, well, we want to see someone else do something if if this yeah. guy's not going to do anything. So. I get it. I'm not trying to to point out why Gafford's not playing, to defend why Maxi is playing. I'm just telling you, like, just this is how Gafford plays. And if you want to maybe switch with him more on the perimeter, maybe guard be a little more aggressive. They could try that. That's not necessarily the Mavericks don't switch with their centers a lot. Like they right. don't switch with Lively a lot. Which That's I wish they would. Thing. You know, they should. Yeah, live. I would like to see Lively a little bit more. Um, but they do struggle with stretch big men and that might be a kid coaching scheme thing. But again, like if Gafford's on the floor, they're playing drop and he doesn't play drop well against teams that can shoot. Uh, and which are the Celtics. Yeah. Which are the Celtics, which is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Also, if you watch the, I mean, frankly, the, most teams drop is Pacers. not an effective defense no. against most teams now. And, and, you know, watch the second quarter against the Cleveland again, when he Gafford played, when he was on the floor, Cleveland immediately went, okay, pick and roll. Let's, let's get him in the pick and roll. And we're going to pick out shooters. And they just kind of pinged the ball around the court and got open shooters. That's how they got that 15 point lead. Um, so if, if the idea is maybe they should play a different style defensively, sure. But they also don't play that, you know, Outside of Maxi, they just don't seem to trust their bigs to switch. Now, maybe the answer is they should trust their bigs to switch. But I will just offer that Gafford historically has not been known as a plus team defender. This isn't just a thing getting to the Mavericks and playing in the Mavericks scheme. Mm-hmm. I know he was on Washington. I know he was on Chicago. So he wasn't necessarily on teams that could have been great defensive teams anyway. But he, that's I'm just telling you what <laughs> that's just how it is right now. If yeah. they want to switch with it more, try to use his athleticism more on the perimeter, you know, sure. Why not? Because it's obviously not working any other way. But I'm just saying, like, that's that's why it's happening. And if you disagree, that's fine. But I also just can't get too worked up about a backup not playing more in a game where you lose by 28 points to a team that shoots a lot of threes and is the best team in the NBA. Like, it's just... But I also understand the Maxi stuff is frustrating. And the thing with Maxi is he goes, you know, he had a couple of really good defensive games earlier in the month. I thought he played really well against OKC. I thought he played pretty well against Phoenix. And then he just has these games where it looks like he can't move. Um, so they have to figure out a way to wean themselves off Maxi. Like that's kind of the, the million dollar question of this roster. Which, is, oh, which, I mean, not to be like, the, the, there are a lot of people that are like calling for kids head in the chat. And in the Twitters and in the social media, it is my opinion that if there's something that's going to bury Jason Kidd, it is going to be that. It is going to be the continued reliance on Maxi and Tim as clutch it as as sort of comfort crutches. And and I mean they're they're the A seed right now. Like I'm not saying that the other guys would have made a difference, but I I, I just think he's going to go down with the ship playing what he knows. Does that does that make sense? Oh yeah, I think so. I mean, I mean, he got to the Western Conference Finals with Maxi playing really well defensively, so that's mm-hmm. becoming his guy, right? Like, yep. I, I mean, Tim, his... Tim McMahon mentioned it on the Hoop Collective a couple of days ago that like Maxi being useful has 
has is is what is is helped propel elements of the Mavericks defense. He only played 20 minutes tonight. He it's not like he gets these like big minute things, but again, four four games and six nights. He did not play against Toronto, which I'm sure was intentional because they probably wanted him to be a little bit fresh. But for the month of February, he averaged 27 minutes. Like that. The it's month a lot of, for him. A lot, a lot for him. him. It's just a lot. And, and they kind you know, they just kind of go back to it as a like the small ball five stuff as, as a crutch. And like there's been a number of commenters asking why they don't go big ball. I think there's a few reasons for that, but I I I, I don't know. I waffle because if you're gonna lose, it's like what you said earlier, you might want to go down swinging with something new. <laughs> yeah. So I, I yeah, and I just I think the thing is is like I'm not you know, I don't know if Gaff, more minutes for Gafford helps in a game like this, but I'm totally like lively should like if if they could get that minutes restriction, like if he's not on a minutes restriction, he should be playing more. Like I just if that's like where we can come to a middle ground because the chat seems pretty 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 fired up about uh, wanting to play Gafford more. Mm-hmm. I I think my my peace pipe or my my olive branch would be play lively more, like play lively 30, 35 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. Um, if he's able to, like, if I think, and I, I think that that would stuff. there, you know, there, there'd be a handshake meme, I think for a significant amount of people, yeah. because it's, it's that it's, they don't want to see Dwight Powell anymore. They don't want to see Maxi Cleaver anymore because if he's not really helping the defense, he's also not helping the offense. Then what are you doing out there? What are you doing out there? No, he scored eight points in the last three games. Yeah. And, it's and not a all... thing. <laughs> so... You got to average. I'm sorry. Like if yeah. you get this many minutes, if you're playing 27 minutes a game and you're averaging 2.7 points, that's bad. Just that's that's some some science for you, some math. That's some math. You hit me with the facts. <sighs> All right, um, is there kind of is there anything else that's happened? I, I really don't remember. My 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 previous two days are something. <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, honestly, I, I'm thinking about Dune too. I know. Do you want to talk about it. Josh Green because? Uh, Oh yeah, Let's some do. people are fired up about him not apparently twenty two points in twenty eight minutes is not his fault. No, it, no, well, that's just one guy that found <laughs> okay, me on Twitter. Guy. I just, okay, I, I have no, and I have, I over index on Twitter. I just, I want it to be known that if you're a person who in your profile talks about how you're the seventh best player on on a given team, super fan, I implore you to find new hobbies. That's all. That's all. You're allowed to like weird things. I'm just not going to discuss them with you. Like I just did. That's all. And, and I've, I've been pleased with Josh Green's play this year. It's he, him, Tim, Kyrie, Maxi, all y'all are going to, if all y'all are going to play poor Mavericks aren't going to win. That's okay. It happens. It's like that. Sometimes they're the, the Mavericks path to be out of the, uh, to be a non-playing team grows ever, ever more narrow. It's still in play though. They just need to figure it out. You know, the team's healthy now. They, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the 76ers are a weird team right now. I mean, Tyrese, they should run them off the floor, but what are you going to do? Is it pretty wild that they are now closer to 10th than they are to 6th in the standings right now? Yep. They're yep. two and a half games out of six. They I mean, this are is where all one and a half games, games up on, on ninth and 10th. This is where losing some of those very stupid games earlier in the year, you look back and you go, how do you lose to the Grizzlies like this? 
<laughs> or Cleveland you without some... Mitchell and Garland and Mobley. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or losing to Utah by how many was it? Like 30, mm. 37 point loss to Utah. That's not great. Um, but yeah, you know, the schedule is going to be interesting. They play Philly, Indiana, Miami all at home next. Philly's a little feel like they've kind of kind of kind of found their sea legs without Embiid. They're still not great, but they're not as bad as they were the first like week or so. Indiana, Miami are challenging teams and they get a little reprieve with Detroit and Chicago. Then middle of the month, man, Golden State, Oklahoma City, Denver, three in a row. They still play Sacramento twice. They play Golden State three more times. Um, so they're, we're going to figure this out with the standing stuff. Like uh, They're going to have their opportunities to either uh, create some separation or they're going to fall back a little bit more. But we'll see. Sure. Um, you know, I don't know. Fourth, fourth game in, in six nights. Last all game of a four, all row games, last game of a four game road trip. Like I would not be shocked if Sunday they played really well against Philadelphia and and people start calming down a little bit more. Um, Maybe hope so. Those afternoon games are. I I'm firmly of the opinion that these NBA guys, their routines where they kind of get themselves ready to play at certain points of the day are pretty important. And I think these noon games really mess stuff up. Really mess stuff up. But that's we just need- my, you know, we'll, we'll. Oh, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. I, no, I we'll see. I, I could be wrong. Well, the thing about Gafford, this might be throwing a live grenade 35 minutes into the podcast when we're trying to wrap up. But are we at the point where we have to start thinking about was it a mistake to trade for him? Not necessarily because he, because of the player he is, but more resource management. Oh, yeah. We're all about just- Bulgaris engaged with me on twitter the other day and he just he, he flat out said that he thought it was a, a size panic move to need gafford and i don't know where i stand on it i think it'll be really easy to say with hindsight you know if they were to go on a run this year we're not going to care but mm-hmm. this goes back to my i mean i was the only person of our staff where i'm like i don't feel great about this with future asset stuff and lots of people at the time were like you need to simmer down I think those people are primarily right, but we need to see some consistency, I think. And, it's and more think just like, all. it's. I'm wondering, like, there's got to be, like, because this is the disc, because it's like he's not playing, and I'm not, like, I'm not shocked at his minutes right now, but but they did give up a first. Technically, it's it's more like they gave up a pick swap in 2028, which is really important. Uh-huh. And it's one of those things where I'm not surprised that he's not playing because I've I listed out you know his d- team defensive deficiencies in some of these matchups. So it's like I'm not like mad that Gafford ha- you know it's it's not like that. It's not like being mad at the player necessarily or even mad. I mean, people are going to be mad at the coach, but more it's more like they gave up something pretty significant to get him, and it feels like the coach doesn't necessarily need or want him. Now, whether you think the coach is wrong is another argument, but it's like this is starting to – I don't know if it's a trend, but it feels like the same thing with Christian Wood where it's like they traded for a guy that kids seemingly wanted nothing to do with, and now we're a couple of weeks into you know, into this trade, and it's pretty clear kid has a quick hook with Gafford, and he doesn't like – if he doesn't like what he sees with him, he doesn't play him. Yeah. So now it's like, well, why did you trade – you know, they didn't just throw away a second rounder or something. They gave up a pick swap, which turned into a first, which theoretically could have been used for another player or, uh, 
keep them too hard. Look, guys, I'm not trying to cover up for kids in confidence. I'm just trying to figure out why there's some sort of disconnect between what the front office is valuing and kind of what the coach values. Now, if the, if the coach is wrong and they move on from the coach, we'll see. But yeah. I mean, you're not firing kid 20 games left no. in this season. No, so I mean, that, that's what I mean, though. I mean, if, if this yeah. goes sideways, there is only one thing you can really make a change with. Jason Kidd. Yeah. Right. Like, boy, howdy. But it's just weird, right? Like, it's weird I mean, it's, to, tr- it's, to give yeah. up a first for a guy that you're not playing, even if I understand why he's not playing. I'm just like, well, why did you go get him? Like, it's yeah. it's just weird. There's a disconnect there. And they got to figure that out. They can't keep trading for guys that the coach doesn't like. Either you either you stop doing that. Oh, well, I mean, or you, get, like, you get rid of the coach. Like, who, who's the who's the guy? Uh, the the meme. Um, he's the guy that didn't get signed this year, but everybody wanted them to sign it so his kids could get insurance. Uh, oh my gosh, Tony Snell. Tony Snell. Yeah, why? I, I I'm friends with a former but from a former Bucks front office person. He demanded that they sign Tony Snell. And if you go look at Tony Snell's games logs that year, he stops playing Tony Snell almost immediately. <laughs> so this is just a thing? same thing. And I mean, honestly, I think I I think he's re- he's why they signed Javale. Like, oh yeah, for sure. So so you know, it's tough. Where it's he just he has a short leash. He's he's a, but then he loves guys like like Hardaway. I, it's, uh, yeah. whereas, I mean, you remember what Hardaway said during, um, what was it? It was way back at the beginning of the year during the media day where he's like, I don't know stuff. if I like kids not told me I'm not starting. This is news to me. Like it's a kid's not a great communicator in the ways that you expect from a top down coach. He is much more of a, a, a friend by manager approach. And I'm sure he's very cutting. And when the doors are closed, but he's not a, a, a fiery boisterous guy. That's, why I mean I pointed out and we should probably go we're almost done but like there was a point tonight uh where he called a um coach's challenge to a bad um uh who, out of bounds call as in who mm-hmm. it was off of he got real fired up and then the team and then the team responded in kind <laughs> it was like oh wow you mean if your leader shows some emotion everybody else is going to show some emotion weird granted i'm old and i you know i i gene hackman and, and hoosiers inspired me and al pacino <laughs> inspired me in any given sunday i just <laughs> I, I i like the, the rah rah coach i don't believe in coaches that that you know kind of mutter shit under their breath at people which is what kid does so anyways all right 40 minutes of nonsense um i'm not gonna do a second live show tonight i'm really sorry guys i i i i've been up since 5 a.m um and i'll probably That's be fair. up a long time tonight because I either the the kid is both teething and sick. It's just it's weird, but you know, uh, go use your Saturday, do something fun. Should be a nice day out here in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Uh, do I do recommend everyone, even if you have zero interest, go see Dune too. It was it was. Cool. Did you already go? Yeah, my wife like uh, we were having such a shitty day because we were gonna go try to see it, and then the, we got, the kid got sent home from daycare. Or she was just like, you should go. You want to do this. It's important to you, which it is because I've been a fan of those books since I was, I mean, I read it for the first time when I was like 14, but I didn't understand it because there's like a hell of a lot going on in it. Um, so I've been, I've, I've really, he did a, he did a really good job communicating some really complicated shit in a two hour and 40 minute movie. 
um it's well worth everybody's time just for the visuals and for the sound and even if you don't care about the the weird space politics but it's got some interesting uh, climate metaphors politics it's 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 a really weird book and a really fun movie so well, that's my recommendation all right everybody this has been kirk henderson and josh bell we'll be back on sunday afternoon i'm sure to talk a little more mavs and sixers thanks so much for hanging out uh we'll be back on Sunday, everybody be good. Go Mavs.